Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. For the past several months, Democrats in Washington have struggled to pass some of the large initiatives as part of President Joe Biden's agenda, everything from infrastructure and the more social infrastructure, reconciliation bill. Uh, Neither has been successful to date. A lot of different challenges and difficulties. And while it seems that the majority party in Congress should be able to pass the agenda with no problem, uh, for Professor James Curry, their failure to do so is not surprising. Uh, In fact, it's one of the many limits of political parties. Uh, Professor is co-author of The Limits of Party with uh, Francis E. Lee, who's a professor of politics and public affairs at Princeton. James Curry, of course, is a professor of political science here at the University of Utah. Uh, Their book, The Limits of Party, Congress and Lawmaking in a Polarized Era, uh, is so important because it's so easy for us to think, oh, well, it should be easy. If you have the House, the Senate and the White House, you should be able to do whatever you want. And uh, Professor Curry, welcome to the program. And I know you say not so fast. It's not that easy. <laughs> That's right. Thanks for having me. Uh, so let's dive into this. Uh, you've you've looked at this, and I love that you've looked at this historically in terms of uh, whether it's Republicans or Democrats. Doesn't matter. The problems are the, are the same for both. Uh, but compromise is still required regardless of who's in charge. That's right. That is. There's one everlasting characteristic of our policymaking system in Washington is that at the end of the day, you have to compromise to get what you want. That might mean compromising within your own party. It might be compromising with the other party, but it is not a political system where you have ideas that don't need to be shaped or reshaped or compromised with others to get through this relatively painful legislative process. Yeah. And I I think that painful legislative process is a feature, not a bug. Uh, (laughs) When we look at it historically, Uh, you point out in the book that uh, everything from, of course, what we're a lot of people are hyperventilating about Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia, Senator Sinema from Arizona. Uh, Of course, in the past, we've had those like John McCain as Republicans tried to, you know, uh, collapse Mm -hmm. the Affordable Care Act. Uh, Give us kind of some backstory there. Um, About Sinema and Manchin or about just the general reality of parties? Uh, just um, the, having having yeah. these divisions. Yeah, let's get to yeah, the. Yeah, I mean this. Oh, go ahead, Professor. This, this is yeah. This is normal. This is this is the reality in a system like ours, where we elect 
members of the House and senators from geographically distributed election districts, right, whether it's congressional districts that are split up among the states or whether it's the Senate where we represent the states. The reality there is that to get win enough seats to hold a majority in either chamber, you're going to have to have a party that is a relatively big tent. Even today, today we talk about the parties as being highly unified. We talk about party polarization, but there's still going to be a big difference between a Democrat who represents the Bronx and a Democrat who represents West Virginia in terms of what they think is the right thing to do, what they think their voters want, um, and like what life experiences they've had that lead them to believe that. And if you get a majority, you're going to have that discordance between the different parts of your party. And that means it's going to be hard to find a way to get people to coalesce behind ideas on often very controversial issues. Yeah. And so looking at how that process plays out uh, historically, what are some examples where uh, there has been success in terms of actually making that work? Yeah, Yeah, you have to find something that either is so broadly likable across the board, either within a party or in a political system, or you have to spend a lot of time figuring out how you're going to pare things down a little bit to get it done. Uh, So something like the American Rescue Plan, which the Democrats passed in March using the budget reconciliation procedures that they're talking about using again, is kind of an example of both. On one hand, it was a bunch of proposals that Democratic voters across the country largely wanted and hoped to see and been, been agitating for for a while during the COVID-19 pandemic leading up into the 2020 elections. And so it's kind of like they put all together all the low-hanging fruits and pushed it through. But even then, they had to make some compromises, right? If you recall, the Democrats wanted to, or a lot of them, had wanted to include a minimum wage hike, a federal minimum wage hike in that plan. And it was stripped out of there by the Senate parliamentarian, but there was a vote to put it back. And when they tried to take that vote to put it back, eight Senate Democrats voted against putting it back in place. Because it doesn't take that long to find things that maybe the party isn't so unified on and that just they haven't been outspoken about the fact that they're not unified on and that they've tried to obscure the fact that they're not unified on. And once you kind of get through that low-hanging fruit, it turns out there's a lot of stuff where the devil is in the details. Yeah, always in the details. It's one of the things I love that you point out uh, in this, Professor, is is the difference between the, the campaign rhetoric uh, which is mm-hmm. usually broad, very lofty, very appealing, and then getting that into specific legislation, which suddenly it becomes a completely different animal. That's right. It's it, the, the, the attempts by the Republicans in 2017 to repe- repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act is probably the best example of that, where Republicans are relatively unified on the campaign trail for several cycles that – We need to do something about the Affordable Care Act. We need to get rid of it and replace it with something else. But then when push came to shove in 2017, it's not as easy as saying, like, we should have something better. It was what would be the replacement. And it was hard for the Republicans in Congress to coalesce behind something else with new details and new trade-offs. Um, that they could all agree to and push through, and ultimately they failed to do so. Yeah, if you're just joining us, we have Professor James Curry from the uh, University of Utah, who is co-author of the book The Limits of Party, Congress and Lawmaking in a Polarized Era. And, uh, Professor, before I let you go, what are some of the other things that you have learned in this process in writing this book? Uh, What are some of the other limits that you're discovering or maybe some nuanced things we're not thinking about as it relates to our political parties? I think the thing that surprised me the most, but now has become the thing that I spend the most time talking about, is that the limits to one-party policymaking in Washington are far less about things like 
the filibuster or the separation of powers dynamics across the legislative and executive branches, and way more about what we've been talking about, which are these disagreements within each party. Um, we, you know, in the book, we take time to sort of figure out what caused the party to fail on all their failed agenda items over the years. And it was about 50-50 between those two, just as often as the other party was able to stop the majority from doing what they wanted. It was just as common that the majority was essentially unable to do what they wanted because of themselves. Um, and I think that's something that we don't recognize well enough about our political system today. We tend to send a focus on vetoes and filibusters and things like that, when a lot of the story is just that neither party is unified enough to get behind a single plan and push it through. Yeah, and I think it does show uh, also just that influence in terms of, uh, as you rightly pointed out, the difference between a congressional district from New Jersey and uh, one from Wyoming. <laughs> Uh, that there are those differences, and even amongst the members themselves, that uh, their approach to how much government, what level of government, uh, what should be paid for, and so on, uh, it does get pretty complicated pretty fast. That's right. So as as you look at this, and uh, as I get uh, as we round this out here, uh, if there was something that you would hope everybody would think about uh, as a voter, as we look again, regardless of your political philosophy or party affiliation, what do you think we ought to be looking at as voters as we look at some of these initiatives of policy uh, in our government? I think what we should realize is that the most sort of extreme or even the most ambitious plans that are proposed by either party are not things that we should expect as voters to actually happen. That, it's, it, that people running for office have every incentive to say they're going to do these big, bold, great things. But we as voters should be sophisticated enough to know from our history that that's probably not going to work out, that it's really hard for Congress to do big, bold things, especially if you don't have agreement across the two parties to get it done. And so we should understand going into any new two-year Congress or any new presidential administration that the reality is whatever they're able to get done is going to be a far more compromised vision of that. And that should both help us all calm down when the other party is in control, because whatever thing we really hate about what they want to do, they're probably not going to be able to do in full, and it's probably going to be more compromised and watered down. But it also should make us calm down a little bit about our own party, with that, when they're not able to get everything that we hoped and dreamed for, that this is normal and that it's potentially okay because that means we're not passing a lot of policies that alienate one side of the political spectrum or the other. Oh, that is fantastic insight. We'll leave it right there. Professor James Curry, <laughs> political science at the University of Utah, co-author of The Limits of Party, Congress, and Lawmaking in a Polarized Era. Professor Curry, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me again. All right, we'll step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, Silicon Slopes just wrapped up. We'll do a little roundup on what was said, what might be done at Silicon Slopes, what it means for the state and for the country. Coming up next. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.